It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. A garden that looks gorgeous with zero effort sounds too good to be true, and it probably is. But it's certainly possible to create a fabulous flower-filled garden that's fuss-free and easy to look after. Eminent garden designer and writer James Alexander Sinclair has designed gardens across the length and breadth of the UK and in many other countries besides. I'm Catherine Mansley, digital editor at BBC Gardener's World magazine, and I caught up with James to get him to share some of his trade secrets. Hello, and welcome to the Gardener's World magazine podcast. Well, thank you very much for asking me. Yes, you've been writing your We Love column for the magazine, rhapsodising about the month's star plants for... 15, 16 years it is, now? It is quite a terrifyingly long time. And in that time, I have thought of 16 different ways to love February. <laughs> it has its moments. It's, it's astonishing. I mean, it's crazy that we haven't had you on the podcast before now. So I'm delighted that we finally managed to pin you down. I mean, firstly, is it possible to create a garden that looks lovely and is actually easy to look after? It rather depends on what you think of as easy to look after. And, and I spend quite a lot of time explaining to my clients that, that, that low maintenance is not the same as no maintenance. And no maintenance does not exist. If you want a garden that has nothing in it, if you want a garden that you can merely hoover, then that's fine. And that is no maintenance. But, but, but low maintenance also comes in a number of different levels in that you can have, you know, you can have gold star low maintenance right down to to wooden star low maintenance uh and, and you know if you really don't want to do what i also say to people is if you're lucky enough to have a garden then show it a bit of respect and actually do some work in it do so you don't have to do a huge amount you don't have to kill yourself because the other thing you have to remember is that nobody is judging you on this at all uh and that that nobody as far as i'm aware you may be you may know different has ever been arrested for having weeds in their garden or for having a scruffy edge to it or anything like that. So, so provided it makes you happy, if you are not made happy by doing the weeding in the rain in April or July or whenever it happens to rain, then don't do it. Just do it. Be a fine weather gardener. So you can be a fine weather gardener and you can get a beautiful garden. But the most important thing is that beautiful garden 
could possibly only be beautiful to you. And provided it's beautiful to you, then that garden is fulfilling its destiny. Deliberately, I'm very careful of that phrase, low maintenance, because I think for a lot of people, and me included, the the phrase low maintenance garden can conjure up images of really dull, dreary sort of municipal spaces with tatty grass and boring clipped hedges. I mean, does low maintenance have to mean dull? No, it doesn't have to mean dull at all. You know, yes, easy low maintenance to be maintained by people who don't love gardens. This, this I think, is, is, is quite an important difference, OK? So low maintenance for people who love gardens and low maintenance for people who really have no interest whatsoever and all they want is somewhere to eat a sandwich on a sunny day. Uh, so if you are in the latter category, which I feel that very few readers of Gardens World magazine are going to be in that category, um, then, then yes, it will be dull because you can do something with evergreens and yes, you can come and clip them twice a year and, and you can sweep around the edges and, and that's it. And it will be, it will be a greenish space. It will be pretty lifeless, except that by providing an evergreen bush, then it's somewhere for something to nest in. And it's somewhere for something to live in. Because the other thing that I think is really, really important that we need to think about, and I think that that those of us who've been gardening for a long time are thinking about it much more now than we did, is that people are not the only people in gardens. There are other creatures and there are other things with which we share our garden spaces. And therefore, we can be considerate to them, which is why we we, we really don't have anything to do with sort of plastic grass and all of that kind of stuff, because that supports nothing. So even if you are... Uh, in the second category of gardener, the gardener who really is not interested in gardening but has a garden, then provided you plant something, then you are helping somebody else. And therefore, you can have a little warm, fuzzy feeling, which is what we, we like, warm, fuzzy feelings. Because uh, if you're in category A, which means that you like gardening but don't want to do too much of it, which is what we're really talking about in, in low maintenance, then yes, yes. I mean, there are, there are many, many plants that are beautiful and will survive quite happily with minimal interference from from you. I mean, now there are quite a lot of sort of shrubs, quite a lot of sort of viburnums and philadelphus and roses and things like that that are pretty low maintenance. You don't have to do a lot to them. I mean, roses are not that difficult. I mean, some of them can be high maintenance and can involve a lot of sort of um, pruning. But if you just don't bother to prune them, then they're still going to grow. They're not going to say, oh, I haven't been pruned. I'm going to die. That's not going to happen. Basically, they're just going to get bigger. Uh, And then you'll be forced to prune them when they actually when there is no room for you in your garden and you go out there to have the aforementioned sandwich and you find that there's no room in there and it's all full of plants, that's the time when you have to actually do something. So, so there are an awful lot of plants that will just grow quite happily on their own. Yes, there will be the odd weed in the corner, but who cares? Yeah. Nobody really is really bothered by that. Likewise, you know, if you want low maintenance, don't go for things that are difficult to look after. Don't go for, for annuals and bedding that require a lot of watering and, and looking after. Go for things that are tougher. Go for bulbs. Oh. I mean, bulbs is a really cool way of, of doing it. I mean, bulb, bulb, a bulb, basically, the life cycle of a bulb, buy one from a shop, dig a hole, put it in the ground, go away <laughs> and forget it. And, and do you get much more low maintenance than that? It's something that takes, you know, to plant 50 bulbs and one should always plant a minimum of 50. Ideally, you plant 500, but that sort of, sort of gets, to, gets to be a bit much. Um, Depends on uh, the scale of your garden. Exactly. But you, so, so, so you do that. But mind you, can, you can lose 50-50 pretty quickly in, in a couple of pots and Even things like that. Um, so, so, so dig a hole, put a bulb in it, go away and have lunch. 
That's that's <laughs> pretty, that's pretty good. But easy gardening. So, so so shrubs, yes. Bulbs, yes. A lot of perennials again. Provided you don't get anything that's that requires supporting or looking after. So so slightly shorter, slightly more robust perennials. Um, there's a whole load of stuff that basically you plant it and go away and forget about it until it taps you on the shoulder and said, ahem, you have to do something at this point. <laughs> so, 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 yes, there's no such thing as no maintenance, but there is such a thing as, as beautiful and uh, energizing and inspiring and calming low-maintenance gardening. Do you have any favorites among those? You, you mentioned roses and shrubs and bulbs and things. Anything, anything that really makes your heart sing? And yet it's really easy to oh, look my after. Heart, my heart sings a lot, you know. I, I would I mean, hope so too. <laughs> it does a whole lot of singing. It's like a full male voice choir <laughs> uh, going off all the time. At the moment, there is a really, really gorgeous Philadelphus whose name I've completely forgotten. Uh, it's a slightly special one. It's got this really, really... Uh, beautifully scented flower, which all Philadelphia's have, that mm. sort of orangey yeah, gorgeousness. Orange. Um, and then they ha- it has a very, very black calyx, which is the bit on the back of the flower, uh, uh, which is you know, one of these little extra details that people who like gardening notice and everybody else doesn't care about. Yeah. But it's one of those, those little things. So that's looking fantastic. I have my favorite rose in the world ever. What is your favorite rose in the world ever, I'm James? not sure if I'm prepared to share this with you. Oh. <laughs> um, of course, because it's just us, uh, is, is, is Rosa Mutabilis, of which there were Lovely. quite a lot at Chelsea Flower Show this yes. year. Um, but I've been growing it for ages. It's quite a difficult rose to get you hold of. You had it of. first, yeah. I've, obviously, I had it first. Um, it's a difficult rose to get, to get, to get hold of, uh, but it flowers from April till November. Um, uh, and this and this sort of ever changing color. So so the bud is is this sort of really really tight, gorgeous pink, and then it, it opens out into this beautiful, very simple sort of you know four four petal flower, and then it fades to the sort of peachy apricot color. Uh, and so it has this sort of long life to it. And as as is the case in life, <laughs> is 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 that you can't always have everything. So so you have a rose that flowers for a very very long time and and has lots of different stages that makes it look gorgeous, but there ain't no smell. Uh. So that's the sort of that's the, the the trade-off. There's another one which actually is an interesting trade-off. There's a rose called Bonica. Do you know that? Yes. yes. It's, it's it's the color of spun sugar, basically. Um, it's spun sugar with lipstick on it, and it flowers on Christmas Day. Bonkers. But it also has no smell. So, so you know, you can't have, no, everything. can't have everything. You can just have have some of the things. So, so those are two things that look amazing in my garden at the moment. And the mutabilis you mentioned, it's, yes. it's quite a single open rose, isn't it? Mm. So, fantastic for for pollinators. Good and, for pollinators. Good for all of these all of these people. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Although, you know, the interesting thing about that is that people say, "Oh, it's got too many petals." That rose. Actually, bees are quite beefy, and they can burrow into a lot of them. Provided that they're not piled on top of each other, it's not a sort of double, 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 double. Then, then most roses are okay, but the open ones. Obviously, make it make it easier. The other one about about Rosemutabilis, there's another one that's very like that, but redder, Ooh. which is called Bengal Crimson. Do you know that? No, I it's also seen a Chinese that. rose, so it's got the same simplicity to it. It's got the same length of flowering to it, but but it's it's just got a slightly uh, harder harder red to it. Also, quite difficult to get hold of. <laughs> so this uh, is easy uh, to grow, but difficult. Easy to, find. to grow, but hold of. <laughs> and, and, and then there's a third one in this family. As mm. I'm going off on the Rosemutabilis, there's a yellow Rosemutabilis, which you don't see very often because it's a little bit tender. So I would only grow it in you know in the in the south or in a very sheltered area. Um, I bought one the other day. I, I had one oh, about four or five years ago, and it died because you know. <sighs> 
plants do that plants to you do. occasionally, I'm afraid. No matter how long you've been gardening for, they do die on you. And so I bought another one because because I'm, I'm a, a sucker for it. And I've, I've found this sort of little sort of safe place where it gets enough sun, but it's also got quite a lot of shelter from the cold winds, which are, you know come from the northeast and stuff. Um, uh, so hopefully that will actually come up and get better and, and, and survive. So those are those those are the, the the three my three roses for the moment. Although obviously there are others and the other ones that are flowering in my garden. Are, there's one called Jacqueline Dupre. So Jacqueline Dupre named after the famous cellist, and she has this beautiful rose that's named after her, which is which is white with a with a sort of splodge of cherry jam in the centre of it. Um, which which is 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 gorgeous and is flowering now at this moment. And then uh, I've got another white. Rose. I've suddenly got rather. Right, but thinking about it now, I've got too many white roses in my garden because I've got one called Kew Gardens, which is just a great flurry of flowers. I love Kew Gardens. I have yeah. that in my garden. Yeah, fantastic that one. And then I've got one that's just about a flower called Moonlight. Oh. This is this this again. This is quite an easy rose to look after. But we're going back to yep, our to back our, to our original because otherwise I'm drifting off into into, into other things. Uh, so, so this this rose is a rose called Moonlight, musk rose, pretty easy, pretty straightforward, easy to look after. Uh, and basically, the pruning my my pruning technique with that is when it gets too big, you just take a saw to it in the winter. And it, I mean, it's none of this of oh, you must go to an outside bud and do this sort of this, this sort of stuff. And, and yes, it's good to do that with some things because you want to keep a particular shape. But this is in a sort of wild corner. And it has a, a, a white flower. And then if you deadhead it, then it flowers again later on. But that's not easy. That's not low maintenance. So you ignore it and you don't deadhead it. And then you get hips. Oh, so 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 that sort of works one. works quite nicely. So what I tend to do is is deadhead half of it. You get a, a reflowering and you get the hips. So then you get the best bit. But that's not under the the low maintenance. The low maintenance bit is the fact that you can just hack it, and it will look a little bit bruised and offended for a bit. But it will come back and we'll be quite happy. So that's yeah, that's far too many white roses. You need to find something with a little bit more colour in it. That's also in my garden at the moment and it's easy to look after. Um, I tell you what's just beginning to start is shrubby salvias. Oh yes. Yeah, they're brilliant. They are. They are pretty, pretty fantastic things. Almost all my salvias died over the winter. Oh no, because okay. of the Not cold. So. Yeah, which you know is, is sad. And I'd taken cuttings at the right time, but then then I didn't bring the cuttings in ah. because you know again we're all human. Life one gets one in has the way. failings and other things. Other things sort of sort of happen. But uh, so so all my cuttings died, which was which was devastating. Uh, particularly one, uh, do you know Salvia confertiflora? Oh, no. Tell me about it. Catherine. It's about, it's quite tall. So so once it gets gets going, it's probably about a metre and a half high. Oh, I have it, in a, have it in a big pot. And you're sitting there, it's like a lot of these things you're thinking, when are you going to flower? When are you going to flower? And it's July and it hasn't flowered. And it's August and it hasn't flowered. And it's September and it's sort of thinking about it. And you say, oh, yes, it's going to flower tomorrow. It's going to flower tomorrow. And then, and then eventually it does, sort of late September, October, and does this last thing. And it, it's got these really, really startling orange flowers with a, with a sort of red bit in them as well. So so there's this sudden sort of oomph, which is quite nice for the sort of autumn time when mm. you're just going into the last fag end of summer um, oh, as you're getting into it and the, and the last last things happen. So that's that one. And, and I had lots of cuttings of those and I had plans to give them to everybody I love dearly. Um, <laughs> but sadly, that didn't happen because they all died <laughs> in the winter. Um, but the other, I mean, there's tough, tough ones. So the slightly shorter ones, there's one called Nachtvlinda, which yeah, is fantastic. I have that in my garden. It's beautiful. And, and the leaves smell fantastic on yeah, that one as well. Yeah, exactly, they? they're sagey and lovely. But that all those plants, those are those are easy low maintenance stuff, aren't they? Really, seropatosi, yeah, oh. which is which is, I mean, it, it is a pink that is almost vulgar. <laughs> 
um, uh, and, and and it's it's just so bright it's 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 ridiculous but it's because it's sort of there and you can see it from the other end other end of the garden uh, uh, and then there's one called Royal Bumble which is red and there's one called um, uh, Dyson's Crimson and Di- Dyson's Purple and then there's a white one and there's a pink one and there's a pink and white one and there's a red and there's a red and white one there's one called Hot Lips Hot Lips Hot Lips Hot Lips which I'm mm, mm, I'm a bit it's a bit mm. too vulgar for you well no nothing is ever too vulgar <laughs> That's the other thing which is quite interesting that that I've learned over many, many years of doing this is 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 that there is no real room for snobbery in gardening because because a, a plant that that people say, oh, you can't possibly have that. It's just because you haven't put it in the right place. Yeah, basically is what it is, and there is always a place for somebody. And people who who who, who sneer at begonias um, uh, actually have never seen them in my mother's garden, which is which is shady and 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 windswept, but they grow and they're quite happy, and they make her happy, which is sort of the important thing yeah. about it. I probably won't be including them in any Chelsea Flower Show scheme, but hey, <laughs> the problem with hot lips is 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 that I'm not quite sure where to put it. I have it in some containers. I've had it in containers. Uh, and I was looking at it and I was thinking, I'm trying very hard to love you. It's but hard I'm to combine with quite, other things. quite so. hard. It is hard. It's, it, 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 it's, it's like, you know, it's like having a, 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 a cat that you've known and loved for many, many years and it's just getting a bit old and smelly. And you're finding it harder and harder and harder to love it as much as you used to. And so that's how I feel about hot lips, yeah, I'm afraid. I think red is quite a hard flower colour to combine with things anyway. And then hot lips having the red and the white seems to make it doubly hard. Which I always took, was always told by my mother is a bad thing to do in flower arrangements. It's very bad, bad luck is to have red and white flowers together. I, I don't know why, know. but anyway, that was that was one of one of her things. So you just say yes, mother, and get on with it. So, so yeah, all of the shrubby salvias are fab and great, and and really, really easy easy to look after. What else? Thing, other things that are easy to look after, the evergreen hedging stuff, which we talked about before, which is quite good as a background. Uh, and then there's grasses, mm. which people ignore, and grasses are pretty easy to look after as well, really, aren't they? You you, you know, you just let them grow. I mean, I think because the climate is changing and because weather patterns change and because we can't rely on the rain and that, that we had, we have to learn to sort of adapt and change the way that we plant things. And some things we won't be able to grow. I mean, we will be able to grow, but it's just a lot of resource and time and effort. And if we're looking for, you know, low maintenance yet fabulous... Uh, then grasses are pretty a pretty good 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 way to go. So so that's that's quite a lot of stuff, isn't it? It is, and yeah. I think yeah, people people worry about tender plants and they worry about uh, plants that are going to need pruning as being low maintenance. But yes, perhaps the the sort of the water requirement is something that people haven't really had to worry about until now. But I personally would rather prune something than carry ten liters of water three or four times a day to it every single day through a hot spell. Um, you know, that's 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 basically. Pruning is, is, is actually quite a nice, mindful thing to do. Um, because the other thing that, to, to remember, people get frightened about pruning yeah, sometimes. They do. And they oh, well, I'll do it wrong, I'll kill it. Yeah, well, what you have to remember is that nothing has ever died from a haircut. <laughs> Basically, if you cut its head off, then yes, it will die. But if you just so so, just do 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 a little bit. Don't go quite quite as hard until you're confident and you're sure that it that it goes back. So one year you go and you go, oh god, I must have murdered it. But you haven't, and it comes back and it says, okay. So next year you go a little bit further. And 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 most plants are, are, are quite forgiving. And then the other thing that to remember is that if you do kill it. Then it creates the second most exciting thing in any gardener's life, which is an opportunity to go and buy another one. <laughs>
there's a, a risk with kind of low maintenance planting that it can end up looking a bit supermarket car parky, um, you know, that sort of municipal planting. Are there any plants that you would just not include that you think they are too municipal, too... No, because I think what you're doing, Catherine, is you're falling into the into the plant snobbery trap. I am, again, I am, hundred percent. Um, uh, so, 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 just a, a story about that. If you think of of your classic supermarket car park arrangement, and the one plant that you'll probably find quite a lot of in there is Lanicera nitida, indeed, which is a shrubby honeysuckle, which I think has been designed by by nature to catch litter as it blows across the car park and it means that the litter is then easy to collect because it all gathers in this one plant and you can go and get it all from from, from, from one place uh, and, and and it's it, you know it's easy and it's it's bulletproof and you can you can allow a sort of a, a work experience lad with a with a hedge trimmer to do whatever he wants to it and it will just say Okay, that was quite tough, but I'll be okay, and I'll come through, and I'll come back. I remember that there was a hedge of it that, that, that um, my mother, my mother-in-law had it in her garden, a hedge of this stuff, and and it had got quite tall, and you pushed it, and the whole thing shook like a jelly. It basically just just wobbles, and so so you'd push it one end, and there'd be this vibration as it went along to, to the other side. So so it was like a, a, an enormous strawberry jelly in the middle of the garden, uh, and and eventually. Uh, we just cut it down. We cut it to the ground, and it comes back. And it has. It says thank you very much, and comes back, and is less jellyfied for a bit, and then it, and it grows with with extra vigor and extra extra vim. Okay. So so this is a plant you think. Oh God! I mean, what's the point of this plant? Where can this be useful in any garden? It does make quite a fast growing hedge. Yes, it does. Okay. So it's a, quite a good windbreak if you need if you if you're in a windy garden. Um, then, then if, if you've got a corner that you don't want to do very much to, then that means allows you to have a little bit of shelter. Um, it is evergreen. Evergreen. It's evergreen and and relatively robust, which means that you could consider growing climbers in it and over it. Oh. So if you say uh, grew clematis, the viticella group, which are you know late flowering, easy peasy, small flowers, fabric, small flowers, sort of end of July, Augusty, that that kind of thing, that could go over the top of this hedge because what you're going to do in February is you're going to cut it down to about 18 inches. So you cut the clematis down, which means that if you have to cut the hedge, it's not going to cut or cut off the flowers of the clematis, da, 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 you know, all of, all of that kind of thing. But going back to what I was talking about, so, so Lanistra Nistra, your standard supermarket car park plant, if you go to Wisley, which is, you know, the flagship of the Royal Horticultural Society, uh, and you walk from the laboratory building down the side of the big canal that goes on the right-hand side, there is some Lanistra Nistra. Uh, but planted with, oh gosh, now I, I'm going to blow the story because I can't remember what it's planted with, but whatever it's planted with, it just gives a completely different and better life. Some plants, and I'm pretty sure I've written this in We Love on more than one occasion, are not divas. Some plants are designed to be background singers. Some plants are, are, are designed to just be quietly, you know, backstage, while, while a lot of other people just go, nah, yeah, look at me, 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 and they tart around at the front. That looks a bit rubbish if you're just on your own. You have to have somebody there to sort of, you know, to occupy the background and to protect you from the wind and, and to generally look after things. And, and that, is one of, that is one of those plants. So, so 
Do not dismiss it, Catherine. It also trims and clips quite well, doesn't it? I've seen yes, it. you can make tapery out of it yeah. if you want to. It needs, it needs because because if we go back to the to the to the jelliness. Yep. If you're going to make tapery out of it, it needs some sort of armature. It needs right. some sort of scaffolding in the middle of it to actually pre- preserve this this shape in it. And if you see sort of some extraordinary taperies, you know, of, of galloping horses or, or frolicking unicorns or whatever it is that's there, a lot of that is made out of lanista anista that's been tied to this thing. And it will come up. But just thinking, you know, in terms of the low maintenance thing, obviously, box is increasingly difficult to keep alive. And at least Lanissa and you could clip it and it wouldn't yes. suffer from white yes. or yeah, caterpillars. Or... No, absolutely. It's, it's, it, it's, so far, it's not going to do anything. Box, box is something that, that I don't plant any longer. It's pretty much completely out of the window. I mean, I, I, I have planted it occasionally as a sort of wild plant in a woodland. Uh, because the the sort of larger leaf box tends to be not as, as susceptible to the to the caterpillar or the blight as the uh, smaller leaf boxes. So, so the whole you know <laughs> the 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 days of of the miniature box hedge outlining parterres and vegetable gardens things like that is past. So, so, so yes, it, it does make an alternative, but only for a taller a taller hedge rather than a, rather than a shorter one. Okay, I've got a number of gardens on very windy sites. Uh, and we had to think very carefully. I, I don't really like irrigating too much so after the first couple of years. We'd like plants to be tough and go out on their own. It's like having children. You look after them for a while. Then you send them out into the world and say, right, you're on your own now. Get on with it. And, and build things. your own little houses. Yes, exactly. Pigs. And they and they, they thrive on it. Um, uh, so so uh, the, same, the same with plants. So the way to, to stop that is, is, is mulching. A lot of mulching. Of mulching. And that, again, is relatively low maintenance and quite good. You can, instead of going to the gym, you just mulch your garden, you know. So, so it's not really gardening; it's more like personal fitness, which is another way. You know, it's another way of angling the low maintenance, fun and fabulous look. <laughs> Two for the price of one. Correct. You're, uh, looking after yeah. your garden yeah. and uh, avoiding trips to the gym. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, and yeah, uh, mulch is is such a kind of an underrated thing, isn't it? It's going to like reduce the amount of watering you need to do. It's going to reduce the amount of weeding you need to do. It's going to keep your plants healthier. It's yeah. yeah it's going to it's going to look after your soil. Yeah. Um, all of these things uh, are, are, are important. You need to choose the right one and make sure that it's got enough oomph to it and all of that kind of stuff. Again, that, that I say is for the keen gardener who doesn't like too much gardening. Do that and that will save you work in the long run because it goes back to the fact that we were talking about no maintenance doesn't exist, low maintenance does exist. But, but in order to save yourself work at one time of the year, you may have to do a little bit more at another time of the year. It's like... It's like mise en place when you're cooking. You know, it's, you, you get it all lined up. It's going to save you time in 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 the long run. If you don't, and you suddenly find yourself frantically chopping celery while other things are boiling over, then you're in trouble. So so it's it's a matter of pre planning and being and being organised. Which which coming from me is quite rich, as I am possibly the least organised person in the whole world. I have n- not written an article for you on time for for possibly a decade. <laughs> That's not true. I, I only miss it by a day or so. <laughs> Let's address that the the drought and the and the cold yeah. winters head on. Then, what what are the, some of the the lovely plants that are going to cope with drought or just you know a bit of a bit of forgetfulness around watering? I think that that um, first thing to remember is that you can never plant something and expect it to look after itself from for a the get go. From the get go, you yep. need to think you can, okay. I'm going to plant this and it will be drought tolerant and it will be okay. 
but um, I need to look after it for the first couple of years at least. You know, you have to go through, like, like we were talking about with children, you have to go through the whole, you know, breastfeeding and toilet training stage of the whole thing and get <laughs> through that bit before you can actually let them let them go and do and, and, and do their thing. So that's the first thing to remember is is, is you need to look after the babies. Um, uh, and then if you think so, so, so drought tolerant, anything with a silver leaf is quite is quite drought tolerant as as a sort of basic you know rule of thumb. Go with go with this silver leaf. You know, uh, if, so lavenders are going to be okay. Uh, Rosemary's are going to be okay. Although we're going to have problems with them when we get them to cold. Uh, so anything that's sort of Mediterranean-ish. I mean, if you think about the Mediterranean. It's quite people talking about you know olive trees and lavenders and things. You think about where they grow naturally. So so if you think of a a sun baked Tuscan hillside, which obviously is a is a nice thing to think of when we're in a windowless room in, in West London. Um, uh, so you think of a sun baked Tuscan hillside in the winter time that gets very cold. Okay, but what happens is that the rain that falls, although it's cold. The soil is very free draining, and it it disappears as fast as as fast as it can, which is you know, which means in the summertime there's hardly any water and uh, any moisture in the soil uh, in, in the soil at all. But also the same same in the winter. Um, so so you think of things like that. So if you're going to plant plants, for example, lavender, it's going to be fine in a heat wave. But what it's going to hate is a wet English winter. Basically, so you have to compensate for for both of those. So, so, so um, um, I'm jumping around. I'm doing I'm doing sun and and winter at the same time. I'm sorry. They're kind of two but, sides but of the well, same thing. Exactly, exactly. So the lavender. Make sure it's a reasonably tough lavender. Make sure it's sort of hidcoat or monstered. There are the, you know the ones with the bunny ears. Yeah. A little bit more tender. Oh, I had fell in love with the lavender two years ago. This is a tragic story. Oh. I fell in love with the lavender. I went to this nursery and there was this lavender just sitting there looking at me from the shelf with a with a poignant look upon its face and, and a and, and and a tear in its eye saying, Please take me home with you. What was so lovely about it? Oh, it's just the way that the, the, the foliage hung and the, the it wasn't in flower yet, but it was just about to be and you could see from the size of the flower it was going to be amazing and there was a certain sort of succulence to the leaf that you don't usually get with the lavender. And it was called she she was called Christiana, uh, and 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 she was captivating and and delightful and delicious and glorious company, amazing conversationalist and dance dance like you know dance like Tina Turner, <laughs> uh, so she did all of these things and and I fell in love with her and and I took her home and and we we made glorious cuttings together, uh, for the first year. Uh, and, and it was, you know, it was a, a perfect lavender. I thought, this is it. This is the one I'm going to do. But pff, cold winter, bang, that was gone. And the cuttings are gone, the whole lot. So I have, I have none of that at the moment. So, so go for one of the tougher lavenders on the sort of low maintenance thing. Yeah. Which about. So, and 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 just make sure that you that uh, that you plant it somewhere where it's not going to sit wet in the winter time, and then that'll be fine. So, so same with rosemary, a sort of you know, herby, roughly the same as same as lavender sort of thing, free draining hot bank, all of that kind of thing goes very nicely. Also on the slightly silver leaves, all of of those things. Um, There's, uh, do you know Eliagnus angustifolia? Yes, I do. Which is, you know, has, has, uh, basically it's big, big, big biggest shrub, shrub, silver leaf, tiny, tiny, tiny flower. Yeah, not very exciting flowers. But, 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 not a very exciting flower, but if you get close enough to smell it, Really, really strong. So you don't have to be that close. You have to be some somewhere within the same postcode, and and you get this sort of sort of, it's it's like inhaling a butterfly. 
to a certain extent. It's the slipstream from a butterfly as it flies past you. And, and it's just this, this glorious, almost supernatural sort of scent to it from something that's so unassuming and so uninteresting. So, so that's actually a really, really good, good, good plant for drought. Again, anything that's established will probably be fine and will cope. So anything Mediterranean is, 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 is going to be okay. Some of the gingers, actually, oh. which is quite interesting. If you want something with a big leaf, um, I've got gingers that will survive quite happily without being watered, obviously, because they're sort of reasonably tough, hot weather plants. And they will also quite happily go through, go through the winter and pop up again. Wow. It's one of those plants that you think, I've killed it. Yeah. I've killed it. I've killed it. And, and then, it looks and like it should be tender. It, should look, it looks dead. It looks miserable. And then suddenly there's a leaf comes up. Oh, you think, oh okay. That's fine. It's like, it's like um, uh, tetrapanax. You know, tetrapanax. Yes. I killed all of those last year. And then I was walking through the garden yesterday and there was one just there. And, and again, this is, I, I dug it up, I got rid of it, but the, some of the root had left and it was sending up a shoot from the root. And so and now it's, it's back again. So, so, you know, have faith in these things and they will, they, will, they will come back. Nothing is guaranteed because, you know, you can have this weird combination of, of weather patterns that will, will kill things or, or, or not. Uh, but the most important thing is just try it. Yeah. Experiment with it and see. And I guess, is it, does it really come down to that old right plant, right place mantra? If you've you know, picked something that's going to enjoy your conditions, yep. it's going to grow. That's basically what it is. You know? If you try and force something to grow that really isn't. I mean, first thing, read the Rudgy label. <laughs> A lot of people re- buy plants and on the label it says full sun. And they say, oh, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> That's not where I wanted to put it. I'm going to put it over there and see how it goes. And, and you know, again, there are, there are two sorts of gardeners. And I think I've, I've, I've said this before, is, is, is that there's the sort of gardener who's very organized and they go to the garden center or they go to Gardeners World Live or they go to any of these with a list yes. of exactly what. And they know that they need something as a north for a north-facing wall, they need a climber for that area, and there's a little corner down here, which is on the on the edge of the pond, um, and they want something that's going to not be, not mind being wet on that bit. And then there's another bit on top of that mound over there, which is quite dry and, and is in full sun. They need something for there, and and they have looked up on websites and in the RHS Encyclopedia of Plants and back copies of Gardens World yes. magazine, mostly. Uh, and they've, they, they, they've read We Love religiously, religiously for the last decade. 16 years, so they know everything. <laughs> they know exactly. And they're going to they're gonna go to the nursery and find exactly the plant that they've decided and that is all that they're going to buy. You know, come home and put it in the right place. But I've never, ever met one of those. <laughs> because basically they turn up at these places and they think, oh, I like that. And, oh, that's quite fun. And their friend says, hey, look, 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 what is that one over there? I got one of those growing in my garden. I said, well, I must have it growing in my garden. Where's it growing in your garden? Oh, around the back. Oh, so, okay, I'm sure it'll grow around the back of mine as well, even though she's facing south and you're facing north. You know, there are so other ends of the country. Exactly. So read the label, please, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, and sort of roughly do what it says. And then things, things will survive. But you're right. It is. It's, it's about right plants in the right place. You know, it's like it's like anything, whether they be person, animal, plant, or food stuff. They 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 like to be happy, right? And and if you put them in a good place where they where they feel content and they feel, you know, that that they can thrive, then they will thrive. If you force them to, you know, if you say say no, 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 you can't be at home, Catherine. I want you to go and, and walk through the Antarctic in a bikini then you're not going to be happy, are you? You're going to be generally quite miserable for a lot of the time. <laughs> I think so. And I mean, is there, you talk about reading plant labels, is there anything on a plant label that should be an absolute warning sign that, you know, this is going to be a really difficult plant 
um, anything that, you know, I always panic when something says it needs lots of winter protection because I, I don't yeah. have a greenhouse or anything. Like, I, no, well, yeah, well, don't buy it. Yeah. Buy yeah, something else answer. is yeah. basically the answer. <laughs> yeah, no, if it says, if it says you know, uh, uh, if it says keep out of winds and you live on top of a hill, then, then you have two options, either buy a different plant or move house. And and the cheaper option is to buy a different plant. Basically, is what it is. So if you uh, it, you know, the, the, it, it will say on the label. It will say in the book what what it's best. Or the most the best way to do it is to ask the person who grew it. Particularly if you're at a show or something like that, and the nursery person who's actually known this plant since it was a little teensy weensy seedling is standing in front of you. And and if you say, look, I really want to grow this. I think it's fabulous. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my whole in my whole life. I live, you know, on a chalky down in Sussex or wherever it is. Will it live with me? And and this person, because he doesn't really want to sell you a plant that's going to die immediately. Although there are advantages, he can sell you another one next year. But but he want he or she wants that plant to thrive and to be happy because it is one of one of their their babies. And and will say, no, no, no. Because you live on chalk, you do not want to grow this rhododendron. <laughs> Basically, instead of that, why don't you have this? And this will, this will, this will thrive. Particularly if we're talking about low maintenance garden, anything that has more than one sentence on the label is too much work for you. <laughs> Go for something easier. Go for something that's that's you know going to, going to look after itself. Particularly because you know we've just ruled out rhododendrons, <laughs> and, and those are generally pretty self-sufficient if they're on the right right soil. The rhododendron is another thing. That that people get very snobby about. Yes, and that's not fair, because there are there are there are yes there are some quite horrible rhododendrons to be perfectly honest between you and I. Yeah, but there are also some really really nice ones. Some of the species rhododendrons with these great big you know leaves the size of soup tureens and 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 the sort of an indumentum which is that sort of thing that looks like powdered cinnamon on the back of the leaf. Some rhododendrons it's like all plants. Some are good, some are bad. Some are, some are well-behaved, some are naughty. Try and keep the naughty ones out of your garden and keep the good ones in. Yeah, I think that's it. Some plants can uh, grow rather too well. And, yes. Uh, yeah, rhododendron is obviously a, a classic. Yeah, no, your, your rhododendron ponticum that, that basically is a, is a thug and a, and, and a horror and takes over the world. And somebody told me that you could buy it somewhere. Please don't buy it. Never buy it. Never plant. Never think about plant. There's, there's a variegated one that not only is invasive, but it's also ugly. Um, it's, 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 I, I, again, snobism on variegation. I'm not in that. I'm quite happy with a bit of variegation. I like some variegation. Just just to, to make sure there was there was rather a wonderful RHS judge who um, in times gone by he's no longer with us would walk past the stand if there was a variegated plant he said hmm, variegated plant bronze medal <laughs> just write off everything else just so that 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 that, that, that okay we don't judge like that any longer um, have you ever seen uh, a variegated ground elder no. It's sold as a garden plant in various places. And I worked in this garden years ago. It's quite a big, big house, open to the public. I walked around and there was this sort of bed of ground. I said, why don't you do something about, about that? I said, oh, well, we planted this variegated ground elder. And, and, and it's an ornamental plant. But the problem with variegated ground elder is that it is it's a mole. Okay, and it comes into your garden with with a, with a guise of innocence upon its face and and, and a halo ab- above its head, and think, oh, it's just me. I'm just gonna, I'm not going to be. I'm just going to come and hang out here with your roses and hang out with your garden. And as soon as it gets there and it gets its roots down, it thinks, right, now's the moment. And it strips off its disguise and it removes its false moustache and its and its and its and its big ears, and it becomes normal ground elder. Bog standard. And that's it. Bosh, yeah. you're I off mean... and you're, you're off and away. And 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 you've brought this. You've 
you've brought this imposter into your house, so don't do that. I've done it on yourself. Yes, I can. I can lend them some of my ground elder if they like. <laughs> no, I mean there are th- real thugs, aren't there? That you know, if you're after a low maintenance plant, they're they're too far the other way, and you're going to spend all your time digging them out. Well, unless 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 just as a converse argument, unless you really want no maintenance. Yeah. In which case, ground elder is quite pretty. <laughs> It's quite a nice leaf. It has quite a good flower to it, doesn't yeah, it, really? Yeah. You can eat it. You can eat it? Yes, you, know, you can. You know, no. Uh, no, ground elder, you can make pesto out of ground elder. Quite a lot of pesto. If you decided that you had ground elder in there and you thought, I don't like doing maintenance, I don't like gardening, therefore I cannot be bothered to spend 12 years digging it out. Because yeah. it takes a while it to dig does, this, to dig this yeah, stuff out. I managed to smother quite a lot this year, in there, but put three layers of cardboard and and a load of mulch on top of it, and there's no ground elder where that was this year. Uh, next year it may all come back again. I may have to keep, keep, keep doing it, but, but definitely worth trying. It's kept you quite easy. The the point is, is if you want a very low maintenance garden, let your ground elder go. Let it let it let it grow. Your neighbours may hate you mm. if it gets beyond be, be beyond the fence. But actually, it's it's quite it covers the ground. Hence the hence the word. Yeah. It's a sort of umbelliferous flower. That's quite nice, and you can. Make pesto out of it. Any other tips for uh, controlling the thugs? Would you just not buy them or well, stick no, stuff I mean, in obviously pots don't, don't buy them. But so quite often, a lot of the thugs that we have, we uh, inherit. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. We, we, we don't realise they're going to be quite so thuggish. You know, the ground, even if it's a new built house, the ground has been something else before you got there, and God knows what is going to be there and what's going to what's going to come and what's going what's going to turn up. Is there a, a a biggest mistake that people make when they're when they're trying to make a garden that's low maintenance, and is there a, a kind of a one lesson that you? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's it's very simple. Is 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 that um, okay? Your 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 first garden, right? You've got a house and and, and uh, you've lived in student accommodation or whatever it is up until then, or with your parents, and you've suddenly got this house of which you're extremely proud, and you say, "This is exciting. We've got this." And, you either you know, move in on your own or with a housemate or whatever, however, however it sort of works. And you open the back door and you think, oh, my gosh, there's a garden out there. What am I going to do? How does I, I can't hoover it. I can't dust it. I mean, I, what, 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 what do you do with the garden? And suddenly you're, you're this, this novice that's never, ever done this before and you're confronted with it. And, you, and you obviously the first thing you do is go out and buy a copy of Gardener's World magazine. Obviously. obviously. Um, uh, uh, then having done that, you ring your mother yep. and, yep. and say, say, what do I do, mum, with this, with, with this kind of stuff? And it's pretty daunting. I and know a lot of my friends, when they were faced with their first gardens, were like, oh, I'm, I'm going to put something in a pot yeah. because tackling the whole garden is too daunting. Well, you see, that's like, well, it. Yes, it'll be happier in the ground it's, if you it, don't have to exactly. give it all its water. Yeah, and you don't have to look after it. You end up with with, with a low, low maintenance garden. But but the thing is that, that the important thing to remember is that when you suddenly got this this first garden, is is that it's yours, and you're not doing it for anybody else, and you're not doing it to make your neighbours happy, you're not doing it to make your parents happy, you're not doing it to make your your friends happy or anything like that. You're doing it to make you happy, and the way that you do it will always be the right way. There is no such thing as doing it wrong. You're just doing it differently. Yes, if you want to, then you can follow the the um, you know the advice of Catherine Mansing and God as well, uh, and which will be which will be you know gold dust. Um, every every nugget will be perfect, but you don't have to do it. You can say, well, actually, I don't want to. Do it. I want to try it this way. What's the worst thing that could happen? The odd plant might die, 
plants are not puppies. It's okay. It's fine. They, they, return, they return to compost and they don't live forever. And you can you can buy buy a new thing. So 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 the 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 worst mistake is 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 gardening to make other people happy rather than gardening to make you happy. It's just your garden. Uh, the purpose and the point of it is 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 to make you enjoy it to make a space in which you can sit, in which you can garden, in which you can entertain, in which you can just dreamily look at the blackbirds or whatever you want to do. So make sure that you do whatever makes you happy and forget the rest of the world. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts and never miss an episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app.